0: Welcome back to the pulpit segment on the Northside Church podcast, where Dad and I sit down and discuss in depth the message from Sunday. And today we're talking about Sunday's message, which was on the topic of anger. Um, Dad's transitioning through this study on the Sermon on the Mount into what Jesus starts to address, which are called hard topics or tough topics. Um, it's those moments in scripture and it's those moments in the Sermon on the Mount specifically that when we read them are very confronting, very challenging, um, but we can't avoid them because of their difficulty. And so we're taking it head on with the help of the Holy Spirit and um, with God's grace and wisdom. And so yesterday's message was on anger and it was a very strong convicting, confronting message, but it was so good and helpful, and the Spirit really blessed it. And so we really want to talk about that. So the scripture that was preached out of yesterday was uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 26, and Jesus is basically making a shift in this sermon that he's teaching on this mountain uh, to these people. And he kind of begins to In the next couple of sections in this sermon That you'll see throughout scripture And you'll hear this phrase commonly used At the beginning of each topic In the coming weeks Is Jesus says You have heard it said And then he kind of gives a reference to The law or ancient teachings And then he'll give a quick little turn Where he says But I say to you And so dad I don't know if you want to sort of elaborate on what Jesus is doing and what he's what his technique is what is what is he not doing what is he doing because people tend to take this moment right here and misuse it and say well Jesus is deleting the ancient teachings or he's he's you know eliminating what scripture was saying you know back in the day but that's not even that's not what he was doing so what was he doing he says you have heard it of old You've heard it said, but I say to you, what's he doing and you know why is that important and why is that something that we're going to see in the coming weeks?
1: Well, Christ kind of explains why he made that comment. He said, I'm not here to abolish the law, but to accomplish the law. So in these teachings that Jesus is giving on the Sermon on the Mount, his teachings supersede the old teaching, but also at the same time, they're consistent. There is this unbroken flow. There's there's no contradiction. And what it is, it's culminating. What this teaching of the Sermon on the Mount is uh, wanting to do is drive people to Christ. And he said it there. He said, I've not come to abolish the law. I've come to fulfill it. I've come to accomplish it. And so when he made the statement, your righteousness needs to exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees, he then gives six examples of what this exceeding righteousness looks like. And each one of these are not intended to be done. They're intended to drive us back to Christ because he said, I've come to fulfill the law and the prophets. And so this exceeding righteousness that I have, that I'm supposed to have to get into the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, it has to be His righteousness. And that's, what he's, that's the emphasis He's making here. It's not principles for us to get into heaven or get into the kingdom. It's just to suppose that if you're already a kingdom uh, citizen, this is how your righteousness is to look. And when it comes down to it, you can't do any of this. It's driving us to Christ. And so that's what he's doing here. He, he completed the law both externally and both internally. And so Christ, in a, in a nutshell, is saying, I've come to accomplish obedience both in action and in attitude. So motivation, our motive, becomes just as important as obedience now.
0: We need to have clarity around that. It's so important that we understand that before we read Scripture, especially when we try to read scripture devotionally, and we you know just read over scriptures like that, and we, you know, misuse the, the the deeper meaning, the original meaning, um, and we don't get context. When you fail to get context for scripture, then what you're fixing to partake in when you're reading scripture is just not going to make any sense. So when you gain that context um, first and foremost, and that's very helpful to understand what is taking place. After and it, when you understand that too, it almost helps what Jesus is speaking on. I don't want to say easier to ju- to digest or listen to, but it it does take that that burden of of um, guilt and you know condemnation and you know when you understand, okay, Jesus is this whole point is me just I can't do this on my own. I have to have Jesus because he's the one that fulfilled this perfectly and accomplishes perfectly. Um, it does take that weight that religious blanket off of you when you're reading those verses. And so it's very helpful. So talking about anger, Jesus makes very um distinct differences. And he he speaks very clearly on righteous anger, but he's he's talking here in this context on unrighteous anger. But we know that anger is an an emotion given to us by God. So he's not saying to us like, hey don't ever be angry about anything. But he is making a distinction between holy anger and sinful anger. And so talk a little bit about that. What's the difference between righteous anger and sinful anger that we will daily have to confront with, be confronted with in our lives?
1: Jesus is uh, not forbidding anger. You know, we're told in Ephesians chapter four, verse 26, that we are to be angry and sin not. And don't let the sun set on our anger. Don't let it be extended. Don't let it go unchecked. And so righteous anger or the right kind of anger is an anger that kind of equals God's anger. Okay. And so, of course, there again, that that's beyond us because it's, it's not easy for that, us to... To express that 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 emotion of anger, like God would, but it's like unrighteous anger is when I get angry at personal affronts. It's like when I have this chip on my shoulder. I get angry when it's about uh, when it's against something is against me, and I never get angry about sin though. I never get angry about the evil that's in the world. I never get angry and upset with anything that is contradicting god's word that's why when jesus got mad in the in the temple and 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 ran out the money exchangers you know uh, that's a side of christ that you will hear much about today but there was this righteous anger because his his father's house was being used as a den of thieves instead of a a place of prayer that's the kind of anger we're to express uh, uh, an anger of uh, of Uh, injustice that's in our in our nation an anger of evil an anger of uh, our nation now calling evil good and good that is evil this ought to anger us but not an anger like the world's anger we're angry inciting with God in that anger yet like God God's angry with the wicked every day yet he's yet merciful offering to them salvation, forgiveness, and eternal life. And so there is this you know, differentiate between what, what okay, what kind of anger I need to express here. And so uh, Aristotle said it best, anybody can be angry, and we are, everybody is. And that's easy, he said, but to be angry at the right time, at the right person, to the right degree, for the right purpose, the right way, is not within our power and It is not easy, end quote. And so that's it. Unrighteous anger is these personal affronts that infuriate us. Somebody got my parking spot. Somebody's going to get ahead of me. You know, uh, just these petty issues that we live in such an angry culture, an angry society, yet there's no wisdom. There's no knowledge behind why they're, they, they have no clue why they're angry. They're just angry because they feel this personal attack, this personal you know, uh, being, you know, mistreated, uh, this sense of, uh, entitlement is now being infringed on. So I'm angry, you know, I'm angry. And so it, it, that you have to differentiate, you know, between the two.
0: Yeah. Yesterday when you were preaching, I was thinking about that. And I was thinking about when Jesus, when he was on this earth, when he would have allowed his followers to see him be angry, because I do think he was angry Quite often. I think he got angry with the religious rulers. I think he got uh, angry with Israel. I think he got uh, angry with um, unbelief. unbelief. I think he got angry often. Um, I think he even got angry with his disciples, I'm sure, at some point. And so I'm thinking about that, and I'm like, what he was displaying for them every single time he was visibly angry was how to properly be angry. And how to properly deal with anger, um, because I think that's a, that's another thing is is how to how to how to how to deal with my anger when I am angry with someone or with someone's angry at me. How am I to deal with that? And that's something that he would have taught them, or that he teaches us. Is, like you just said in the scriptures where he said, "Don't let the sun go down in your anger," meaning you deal with it immediately. There's an immediate response, as just as quickly as your anger comes it should be dealt with just as quickly and efficiently and so let's talk about that a little bit anger that's undealt with unreleased anger um can that hinder our spiritual growth because you did touch on that a little bit yesterday and jesus touches on that a little bit in the scripture that you um that we were studying this weekend how he actually gives instruction for the worshiper before you come and lay your gift or your worship before the altar before there's even a a syllable or a word that comes out of your mouth, you have to go take care of what you have against your brother. And then you come back. So what is Jesus saying? Can can undealt-with anger hinder your spiritual growth and your worship?
1: Jesus, in essence, is saying it's far more important to be right with each other than to fulfill the external duties of worship. So when I have undealt with issues between me and whoever, whoever I'm in a relationship, whether it be my wife, whether it be my children, whether it be my friends, whether it be church members, whoever that might be. Uh, Worship only becomes a pretense. And if there's an offended person by my words and my attitudes, uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones said, integrity cannot be made up for by ceremony in other words do the right thing with other uh, when uh, when you know as far as it is with other people and then come do what, what is right with god and so uh, all the church going uh, doing whatever that looks like all the praying all the reading of the bible uh, will never produce a clear conscience because worship becomes hypocritical my prayers become hollow when i don't make things right with offended people so personal conflicts can be dealt with and handled quickly, but if they're prolonged and if the procrastination, somebody's going to pay dearly. And most of the time, it's not the person that is, you know, we're angry at. It's me. I'm paying for it because my earthly relationships affect my heavenly relationship. Yeah, the other person is going to pay for it. The relationship's damaged. That's why Jesus said, and and I've got in my notes, and I didn't bring it up yesterday, but. I put at the top of my handwritten notes, what does murder have to do with righteousness? And Jesus is saying angry is as serious as murder because words and actions and feelings, this contemptuous, uh, you know, contempt against another person is as serious in your life as ang- uh, as murder. And so words can kill people, uh, words can kill relationships, you know, uh, Our unjustifiable anger can kill relationships. Uh, And and so that's what Jesus is saying. Anger is as serious as murder. And so he said, if you don't deal with this, there's going to be a price to pay. And it's like he said, you will never get out of prison until you have paid the the price to the fullest. And I I got kind of hung up on you will never. I wonder how many relationships will never be fixed because it's just... It's gone so long that it's beyond that point, you know, and that's the anger he's talking about, you know, in, in the Sermon on the Mount. So
0: I want to close with this. I want to close with an encouragement to people on maybe the fact that there's someone listening. Maybe you were at church this weekend. Maybe you've listened to the sermon on our podcast. And now you're listening to this and you're just kind of hung up and you feel convicted and you know that the Lord is expecting you to do something about the anger that you're holding on to. And you just don't know what that step looks like what should i do first how should i resolve this what does that initial um leap towards letting this thing go look like and i don't know about you but i think that the first most important step is to ask for god's wisdom and for the spirit to give you the strength to do so Um, i don't think that this is something i mean you did touch on it yesterday you said it jesus even is pointing it to us pointing it out to us that we can't do this on our own and so, the first initial step towards you know this healing or this letting go of this anger or resolving this issue that you may have is um, immediately coming to the throne of grace and saying, "Lord, I just need your help in doing this. I cannot do this on my own." And also be reminded that in our Lord's character, the Bible tells us that He Himself is slow to anger, and so He knows exactly what it takes. To and what it looks like and what we need in order to have our anger, anger, sort of, um, extinguished, in that process, and so that's the first step. And then I would say the next step is this: is begin to pray for that person you're angry with, or pray for the person who's made you angry. And I don't know how you feel about that, but I think that when you, before you even come in contact with that person, or you speak with them, or whatever the case, call them on the phone, whatever it may be, when you pray for them. First, it softens your heart immediately. We just came out of 21 days of prayer, and one of the days of prayer was praying for other people. And I remember that morning specifically just praying for other people and thinking to myself, how much easier it is to pray for other people than it is to pray for my own needs and my own, you know, um, wants and desires. And then having my heart softened towards people. So if you have something against someone or someone's done something to you, and you're wanting to resolve that issue and, and and extinguish that anger, then I would say, number one, go to the Lord and then pray for that person before you make an, any sort of contact with them. And then when you do make contact with them, there are multiple ways that you can do that. Of course, if you don't have the ability to see them in person, write what you're going to say down before you say it to help you sort of get what's on your heart out properly so that it can be said um, and that you can see if there's things that don't need to be said. Um, write it down. Um, I don't like the idea of texting someone because texting can be read and, and, and misinterpreted and and they can read it in a tone that's just not really helpful. And so texting, I don't think, is a good idea. I do think the Lord is really all about relationship and I think communication in person. And when we see each other and we can look at each other and when we can actually feel each other and embrace one another, I think that that sort of tears down any type of aggression or hostility or it removes any triggers. And so if you can at all costs, just kind of go to the person and and look at them, be with them in the flesh Um, as difficult as that may be, but the Lord will bless it. And that's how we, are instructed to be as his followers so it was a great episode today of the pulpit we pray that this blesses your heart again we can't wait to see you sunday as we continue this study on hard topics they just get harder from here um anger was tough but next week will be tougher and the week after that will be a little bit tougher but god's blessing it and we are excited about what he's going to do and how much freedom and liberty is going to come from this and um but yeah this is the pulpit see you everyone